Welcome to Mamir's Well, a Burning Hallows production. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And welcome to the podcast that isn't afraid to explore the darker side of the craft, including taboos and controversy. In this bonus episode, we are continuing our discussion on the scars of religious trauma, but more specifically, we are exploring the dangerous world of cults. We will discuss some of the more infamous cults of our time, and in addition, we'll present the major warning signs of a cult and provide recommendations on how to heal after leaving a cult. Disclaimer, this episode is not for the faint of heart and contains material of an adult nature that may be triggering to some individuals. Neither of the hosts is a professional in the area of psychology, and the information given here is purely for reference. We encourage all of our listeners to do their own research on this topic. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, Alora? Hey, hey. So how are you feeling about diving into this dark, juicy world of cults? <laughs> I'm fucking excited. <laughs> no, I'm se- serious because, you know, well, it may be just my personality, but taboo things always fascinate me. I'm the same way. Like, mm, this is taboo. How does it work? <laughs> like, hmm. Right. And this topic is extremely fascinating. I, the more that I researched it too, I was like getting really into it. I'm like, I'm going down the rabbit hole here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's there's a lot to learn on, on, on this topic, especially all of the different calls that have been out there that are out there, et cetera. Yes. And I think to start, we need to define the word cult and what the difference is between a harmless cult and a dangerous cult. Okay. So when I look this up, cult has multiple definitions, but for our intents and purposes, a cult is defined by Oxford as a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Mm. While this definition comes from Oxford, I honestly don't agree with it. Mm. The specific part where it says a relatively small group. Right. It doesn't have to be a small group to be a cult. Mm. There's some pretty big ones in modern times, Scientology, for example. Yeah. Or maybe the relatively small part is referring to like in reference to the whole of the population. Okay. Miss smarty pants. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, like it depends on what scale that you're comparing it to, because if you look at Scientology, for example, compared to the population of the United States, which is around 364 million at the moment, I think mm-hmm. that then it is, then you, then it is relatively small, but I know what you're saying. It's not like 10 people in a trailer having church. 
Right. Like I'm looking at it from my standpoint, not overall population. I'm going, what's a small group to me versus a big group. Does that make sense? Right. Correct. Yes. Objectively, I guess, or subjectively. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Interesting thought too, just as a sidebar here, every religion began as a cult. Oh yeah. I would a hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. especially if you go back to like, just for example, Egypt, you had the cult of ISIS and they called it the cult of ISIS. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So hundred percent hundo P. So, so <laughs> the difference between a, you know, harmless cult versus a dangerous one is that a harmless one basically will not try to control you in any way. And Mm -hmm. they may be basically, I think they're more like clubs or groups of people, but um, the government does consider some of them cults. An example of a harmless cult might be the deadhead culture. (laughs) Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds funny, but it's like when we say there's a cult following to a band or a movie or a movie, that's basically what it means Mm -hmm. that there's a big group of people that follow it or are very much into that specific topic. Right. Right. But again, a dangerous cult is different from that in that it seeks to manipulate and control its members. Yeah. Because there are movies out there that are referred to as cult classics. Yep. So exactly. And cult itself, isn't it just a, it's a a short, shortened version of culture. True. Or at least a syllable that is synonymous with culture. Okay. So, and I, we said this in the last episode on scars of religious trauma, but be aware that cults can branch off of any religion or sect of a religion, but, and this is what I find interesting too. They can also be groups that are outside of a religion altogether. Mm. For example, a recent cult that was kind of big in the media was a cult called Nexium that was originally based on a personal development rather than religion. Now they kind of got a little religious in some ways, but it was basically personal development is how it started. Mm -hmm. So there are pagan cults, there's Christian cults, there's cults that or from nearly every, you know, spiritual walk of life, basically cults don't discriminate. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So don't think that walking a pagan path that you're, you might not come in contact with a cult because they're definitely out there. And I mean, to people who are ignorant and don't understand paganism, uh, they consider the entire, spiritual path to be a cult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has heard that. Yes. Because I have to, and I get so frustrated with that because I'm like, no, it's a cult, not cult. Two different things. (laughs) Oh yeah. Those terms. Yes. They do get mixed they get put in the same bowl, so to speak. Yeah. Which, which then get lumped together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, if it's a cult, it must be a cult. No, 
No, it's not. Two different things. Two exactly. Totally different. We are not. It's like you're trying to make a spork here out of a fork and a spoon, and it's not happening. Agreed. <laughs> and I think too, like we talked about the our scars from religious trauma, and because of my past experiences and what I believe is a cult, I'm very wary of groups of people that, you know, mm-hmm. claim a religion or claim that they're, uh, even I'm wary of covens to be fully honest. I don't, that's why I'm mm-hmm. solitary. Right. And I've also been invited to like new age type churches and I do, don't ever go because I'm just, I, I'm just wary of it. You know <laughs> what, this reason. you know, what's interesting. I didn't think about this in our religious trauma episode, but now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it, I have never been in a physical coven. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that I don't want dogma. Look, I'm not saying that covens are bad because they're not, but covens have rules and I'm not a rules gal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I I was actually a part of a coven when I was 20 to 21 Mm -hmm. and it was way different than that. Like it was actually how you and I might've run it. Like, believe what you uh, want. We'll just get together for the Sabbaths and whatever. You know? Oh, see that's, I don't consider that a coven. I consider that an open circle. Now I have, oh, I have ourselves a coven. <laughs> well, I have participated in open circles, which is exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between an open circle and a coven for me is the rules and the hierarchy. Like, I don't want any of that. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. I don't want a boss in my religion or spiritual, like, yeah, no, just no thanks. All right. So anyways, before we talk about the warning signs of cults, let's talk about a few of the infamous cults, the juicy stuff, the juicy stuff. This is where the trigger warning comes into play folks. because I'm totally stoked about this. Cause it, <laughs> this, this shit fascinates me, man. Fascinates me. I, in preparation for this podcast, I, there's actually a podcast on Spotify called Colts mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, and it's scripted. So the people are literally just reading, you know, they're narrating something that's been written. Right. But, oh my God, there's episode and episode there's dozens of episodes. Every episode is about a different cult. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> well, you know that true crime podcasts are like the number one podcast people listen to. And I think oh, that, yeah. and I think cults fall under that as well. Well, yeah. Cause there's often crimes, right? I mean, right. Yeah. Well, there almost always is. Yeah. We have to first talk about the Manson family. Most people have heard the name Charles Manson, but if you haven't, I'll give you a quick rundown for those who may not have known about this. Manson was a man who was released from prison in 1967 and pretty much started his own cult right away. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't know why he was originally in prison, but we'll just get right into the juicy stuff. So he drew mostly middle-class women to him from the San Francisco area. They started a commune called the Spawn Ranch in Los Angeles County. And from there, 
in a nutshell, Manson brainwashed his followers into thinking he was basically the next coming of Jesus and that there was going to be an upcoming race war among, among many other things. Mm. This cult wasn't just dangerous to its members, though. It became a danger to society in that there were murders, robberies, and other various assaults committed by the family, as they called themselves, or the members of the group. And this was all encouraged and basically led by Manson himself. Mm. And Manson is in prison to this day, but interestingly, he didn't physically commit the murders that he's in for. He used mind control to manipulate his followers and as well as, you know, in combination with hallucinogenic drugs, isolation tactics, indoctrination, and much more. And didn't and, he like, go ahead. didn't they all have like giant orgies and stuff? Oh yeah. I'm yeah. sure that went down for sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Which always, like I said, always fascinated me because if you've ever seen Charles Manson, he is this tiny guy, like mm -hmm. tiny, scruffy, gritty looking dude. Yep. And I'm thinking, how, like, what did you do? I mean, so, and this is one of the things that I was thinking of today. These leaders of these cults do, is it that some of them are so smart that they learn these manipulation tactics like they literally seek it out and they learn it and then they apply it or is it like something that they they're just so sinister that it's like natural to them <laughs> if i remember right which i'm not sure that i do or but, maybe it's both i don't know but if i remember right i've actually seen a documentary on manson i'm pretty sure he had an abusive childhood and so it wouldn't surprise me if he used those tactics when oh, he got older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Very good point. And so there, that was, that's a really well-known one and there's all kinds of documentaries and movies oh, yeah. and, books and all this. So if anyone's interested in learning more about the Manson family, you can definitely find it pretty much anywhere. So, yeah, I think there's one, I think there's a documentary called Manson family values. It's pretty popular. There's also, there's like this concept that he came up with and it's called, okay. Yeah. It's called ATWA, A-T-W-A. Mm -hmm. And it's an acronym for air, trees, water, animals, basically like all life on earth. And so there's these... <sighs> this is how cults suck you in. They have this, oh, you know, benevolent disguise, right? You know, well, we're here to, to support the earth or to protect the earth or to protect humanity or whatever their guise is. But then mm. right underneath that mask is a monster basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay. okay. So what about Nexium? Oh gosh. So there's a whole, <laughs> <laughs> I got sucked into this documentary on HBO and it, I found it to be really fascinating because this is the cult that wasn't necessarily founded on the basis of a religion, mm. but was originally, it was founded as a multi-level marketing company. 
Mm. And they did a lot of personal development. Right. So the CEO and the founder of Nexium, his name is Keith Ranieri. He used this marketing business and these seminars to recruit members. But even more interestingly, they were often like celebrities or like wealthy business heiresses to like fortunes, trying to find people that had a lot of money and power basically, but they they were taking anybody that would get sucked into the scheme. So, and there, I think were like thousands of people that got sucked into this cult Mm. because they were seemingly benevolent. They were, they were, you know, aiding people and overcoming their past traumas and rising to these new levels of emotional intelligence and And then it started to get into the enlightenment, you know, discussion and got a little spiritual at some point, Mm. but it was like, you had to go up through the ranks. And the only way that you could climb the cult ladder, so to speak, was to take these seminars. And, and while it seemed on the outside, like they were helping you grow, they were actually manipulating people and like stripping you of your, you know, emotional strength, I guess, Mm. breaking you down. essentially. So it's really, it's fascinating to see how it progresses. And towards the end of the documentary, they get to the really juicy stuff, (laughs) Mm -hmm. not to ruin it for everyone, but basically Ranieri and quite a few of his board members and people that were working with him use their power to manipulate women into sexual slavery. You know, I'm just going to interrupt you here. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of the documentary on Netflix about Bikram who started Bikram yoga, the hot yoga. Oh God. I watched that one too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically the same thing you're talking about except Bikram. Oh my God. Except yeah. yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that. If you watch that one, that's a very similar story to this. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. It is very similar, but I, and not that Bikram is his whole thing is any less sinister or dark, but Ranieri is like, I feel like was a little worse that the whole chain to this. So he was charged with a number of things, including sex trafficking and racketeering a Mm. few years ago, but an actress, a former actress, she starred in the show Smallville. Her name was Allison Mack. Mm. She was also convicted of sex trafficking because she was one of his main girls that would basically, you know, recruit and draw in women. So the cult itself, Nixium, the cult had a a branch off of that, which was the, the sex trafficking like ring. And it was mm. called DOS, D-O-S. I don't remember what the acronym is for, but yeah, you can see the levels of manipulation used by Ranieri and by the group in the film. And it gets into, you know, he's using diet as a form of control and yeah, it's a lot of them trying to break people down emotionally in order to get into their, their heads. Jesus. It's wild. Yeah. And they're all freaking in jail now, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy stuff. 
Oh, geez. All right. I know. Right. <laughs> and I'm over here like, this is fascinating. I know. Um, everybody out there who needs to take a shot, go ahead and do so. Cause we're going on to the next cult. <laughs> right. I know. And I don't know if that makes me strange that I'm into this stuff, but, but it's, I think, look, I think to people who are not in a cult and are watching this stuff are just so like, how, how are they mm-hmm. doing this? Like what, how, mm, like analytically you want to mm-hmm. deconstruct it and be like, what is actually going on here? Yeah. And truthfully, like I can sit here and be like, I would never get sucked into any of this, but there's probably little, you know, especially with like a cult, like Nixium, cause they're, they're not even using like religion. Mm, true. It's like attend this personal help, you know, self-help seminar. And all of a sudden you're in a freaking cult. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a slippery slope, slippery slope people. This is one of those times where I am proud to be pretty introverted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, you guys, you don't need self-help seminars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Let's talk oh, about boy. Heaven's Gate. This was a really big one too, back in the late eighties, early, or, you know, through the nineties. Mm. And it is one that I find really fascinating and bizarre, of course, also a documentary on HBO. Yeah. I've heard of this so, one. You've heard of this one? Yes. So they believed this group of people, it was about like 40 to 50 people believed that they were, or could be immortal extraterrestrials in human bodies. And basically committed mass suicide when the Haley Bop comet entered the atmosphere or came close to our atmosphere in 1997. I think it's Hale Bop, but okay. Oh, everybody said Haley Bop before. Haley Bop. What? Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Listen, (laughs) you get the point. It was a comet. Okay. So there's this burning ball of gas in the sky. It's a freaking ball of gas blasting near the atmosphere. All right. So the founders, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles refer to themselves as tea and dough. Make a mental note here, people, because often cults will have you erase your identity and take a new name. Hmm. Interestingly, this is a cult. This is a cult that didn't force them, their members like into staying. They were very kind of voluntary. A few of the ex-members from the cult still speak of the group in a positive light and talk about them and the fact that they didn't force them to leave their families and would even welcome them back to the group should they choose to like leave and return. There was no real, you know, repercussions or punishments like some other cults will, will dole out. Hmm. So they were kind of, you know, again, they seemed relatively benevolent or harmless in that regard to a lot of people, but this cult also expected its members to look the same as one another, to take names similar to one another. They all had like really short two or three letter names, like T and Doe were the leader's names. They also all had matching short bowl haircut type styles. <laughs> bowl cut. Ew. 
Ew. Yeah, they all wore the same glasses. They all wore khakis, same sneakers. It's kind of bizarre. Okay. So, yeah, the idea <laughs> behind... That, <laughs> doesn't that behind... just make you go like, what the actual... <laughs> well, I'd be like, I'm not wearing that. And they'd be like, well, sorry, you can't be in the pool. I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm too fashionable to be in this cult. See you later, bye. <laughs> For real. The main like idea behind this cult was a monastic lifestyle. So meaning they dedicated themselves to spiritual enlightenment, you know, leaving behind societal expectations, but yes, that they believe they could be immortal alien beings and human bodies. Okay. Yeah. So the mass suicide that took place in 97, when the Hail or Haley Bop Comet, however you would like to name it. <laughs> okay. Little dig at you there. When the comet went by, they decided to use a combination of, of narcotics, alcohol, as well as asphyxiation mm. to leave their earthly bodies and transcend and I guess board the spaceship that they believed was behind the comet. Okay. In an alien nutshell that is heaven's gate <laughs> so the next one that we're going to discuss is scientology Ooh, ah ron l hubbard yes leah remini's documentary please watch it if you really want to explore oh, this i've seen it cult topic in the in detail one of their global centers is in clearwater florida where they have purchased, the church has purchased a large portion of the downtown buildings there mm. and basically leave them there empty or abandoned. Okay. Don't know why. Nobody knows. We can speculate. It's weird. Okay. A lot of them are like historical landmarks and things. They don't do anything with it. They just buy up all the buildings. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, Max so right off. Uh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's like, okay. what are they going to do with it? Are they going to do like, it's kind of a shame. Some of the buildings are just sitting there and something could be done with it, you know? Right. Anyway, this is a cult that's actually now recognized as a religion by certain countries. Surprisingly, hmm. I believe it's recognized as a religion here. It boasts at least 55,000 members yet the church itself claims their numbers are more like 4 million who really okay. knows. Okay. Yeah. The Church of Scientology was established by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, I said wife. Ron L. Hubbard. My bad. Listen, Hale Bop, Haley Bop, uh, Ron L. Hubbard, all good. <laughs> <laughs> his wife, Mary Sue, and some other dude, I didn't write down his name, but these three founded it in 1953. I didn't know it was that old. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the actual first like physical church opened the next year in California. So one of the original basis of the beliefs was said to be on Dharma. And honestly, if you look at their key beliefs, you might find them to be, you know, benev benevolent or helpful. There's spiritual freedom, healing of the body, starting with the spirit, etc. But the fact is that they're a dangerous cult. <laughs> mm. I laugh, but in Germany, Germany does not recognize them as a religion. They actually recognize them as an anti-constitutional sect. Mm. and france just downright says they're a dangerous cult wow okay so just to give you a outside perspective on that 
And I think that technically the church went even more, it got worse when David Miscavige took over. Okay. He's the current leader. He leads the church and the business of Scientology as of today. In Leah Remini's documentary, you'll see all kinds of interviews done with ex-members of the church. They tell their stories about how the church isolates them from the outside world, all the violence, you know, financial um, control, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty wild. <laughs> mm. So for people who are listening, who don't necessarily know the story of Scientology, but are up on their celebrity gas or pop culture, you will know that Tom Cruise was a big part of Scientology and mm. his whole divorce, um, from Nicole Kidman and now his divorce from Katie Holmes. And there was like a whole lot of shit that went down that had to do with Scientology. Um, Ooh. Yeah. You didn't know that. I knew some of it, but I didn't like, I need to dig into that more because now it's now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, Katie Holmes had to like escape. Whoa. I didn't know that. Yeah. <gasps> so well, yeah. we knew he was a nut when he was jumping up and down on the, on the couch, <laughs> Oprah. I will never forget yeah. that. I will Me never either. forget that show because I was, dude, I actually watched that show when it was on and I was like, is it, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with this dude? What? He has lost it. <laughs> For sure. He's like, I'm in love or whatever he was saying. And sadly, ever since then, I cannot watch a Tom Cruise movie. I just refuse. I'm like, I can't. Like, I did watch a movie with him and I can't remember what it was, but. I'll watch his old movies all the time, but anything past like Days of Thunder and uh, there's a couple other ones. Yeah. Anyway, Legend. <laughs> okay. So one of the big controversies that happened with the church of Scientology back in the day was a woman's death in 1995. Mm. Her name is Lisa McPherson. She had a pulmonary embolism while under the church's care in Clearwater, Florida. It's a really sad story, but basically McPherson was in a minor car accident and was acting erratically. Um, when the paramedics and, and, you know, first responders came and said that she wanted to seek counsel. So they, even though she wasn't necessarily injured, they took her to the hospital for psychiatric observation. Hmm. But once she got there, she refused the care and there was members of the church that came to meet her there. And basically they told her, you know, come back with us. You can come to the Fort Harrison hotel, which is the hotel that they own in Clearwater, um, for some rest and relaxation. And that's what they told, uh, you know, the, the hospital that she didn't need to be, um, admitted. And she said she didn't want to be admitted. And so they let her go. And so what happened was apparently they kept her in a room and watched her for days on end. They said that, um, you know, she wouldn't eat or sleep. And so there were logs that these people were writing, mm -hmm. like about her behavior and what they were doing for her and everything. Essentially the woman was having like a mental breakdown, I think. Wow. And yeah. And they were just keeping her, you know, isolated to herself. 
they like said on one of the logs like that they had to cut her nails really short so that she wouldn't scratch herself and like all this craziness and some of the logs were obviously destroyed of course Mm. and anyway she something happened and they called a doctor that they knew and said that they thought she had an infection and that they wanted him to write a prescription and he said no i can't do that you need to take her to the bring her to my hospital well, they brought her to the hospital, but by the time they got there, she was dead. Jesus. So the hospital staff tried to resuscitate her upon arrival, but they, you know, she was dead. It was already too late. And so, um, they, there were actually felony charges against the church, but were dropped when a second autopsy concluded that her death was actually accidental, but essentially there was some severe neglect going on. And this woman needed real professional help and they refused it. So So what did she kidnapped her? (laughs) What did she actually die of? She had a a pulmonary embolism on top of a mental breakdown. Well, yeah, it was like, she started with a mental breakdown. They don't really know the whole thing is mysterious and they still, there's still, um, like not protests, but people will go and stand outside of the hotel and like basically protest her death every year. Mm. Cause they don't really know what happened. They don't know. She was like starved and, you know, um, like she'd been laying down on a bed and I had like bed sores and crazy, crazy stuff. (laughs) Jesus. She was in her thirties too, by the way. That's sad. Yeah. So, um, pretty heavy stuff, but this is why, you know, I'm saying Scientology is a cult. And if you don't know about it, you need to look into it. (laughs) I laugh because I'm like, I laugh when I feel uncomfortable sometimes. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that I think this, any of this is funny because it's not, but yeah, it is definitely scary. Hmm. Had you heard about that? Her death? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big thing in Clearwater. It's crazy. Still is. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think her family tried to sue the church and that somehow got erased, but funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you got all kinds of money. Right. <laughs> mm. Tax-free baby. <laughs> God. Okay. How about we lighten it up with a little people's temple? Oh yeah. Cause that's going to lighten it up. This is not <laughs> going to lighten it up. <laughs> this is going to take it to the next level. No doubt. So the people's temple. So this, there is a really great, um, documentary that is on YouTube. It's free to watch. It's about an hour and a half long and it's called the Jonestown massacre paradise lost. So this cult was actually started in 1955 in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's Um, early too. I didn't realize that. Yeah. By Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. And as you can probably already tell, this leader was extremely narcissistic uh, because he named, he named it Jonestown. Um, (laughs) Well, it was the people's temple, but anyway, we'll get to that. Jones was fascinated with communism and Marxism And he basically pondered like, how can I replicate this without 
going to jail. So he decided the best way to do that would be to create a church. Wow. <laughs> like nice. It's like, people are like, how can I get away with CD shit? I know create a religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would later be marketed as an apostolic socialist organization rather than using the terms communist or Marxist um, because he couldn't because that was no, no. Right. So yeah. So he conned his congregation with faith healings. So he saw faith healings being performed at a Baptist church and was like, yes, let me do that because people will believe it. And people will give money that I can then use to actually help the poor. Like this is some nutty way of thinking here, but yeah, no doubt. So following, (laughs) so he and his like congregation leaders, I guess you could say performed fake faith healings to generate income to then give to the poor and disadvantaged to then recruit into the people's temple. Oh, okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's very covert rec- recruiting, essentially. Oh, for sure, yeah. So uh, the people's temple expanded in Indiana and they got too big and there was a lot of issues like government-wise. So they ended up moving to San Francisco, San Francisco California, And then legal and government issues followed um, in California. So finally, Jones was like, fuck this. Let's move all on one property in South America. Let's like leave the country where they can't tell us what to do. So Jones sold his members on the concept of communal living. Like there is way more to why he decided to move out of the country, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of that here, but basically he was, he was selling it as like, let's go where our black brothers and sisters won't have obstacle essentially. So that's where everybody was like, yes, let's do this. So to do this, he went to Guyana in South America and leased property where he then created what he advertised as a utopian paradise, uh, without racial bias. Interesting. This story has lots of twists and turns, including murder, kidnapping, and other heinous shit, which is all in the documentary. (laughs) Wow. This particular cult is where the saying don't drink the Kool-Aid came from. Because Jones laced a giant drum of grape flavor aid with cyanide and ordered his followers to drink it in total. This was in 1978. I believe in total 918 people died, including 276 children. Holy crap. I didn't know it was that many people. This was the largest loss of American life due to a single act until nine 11. Whoa. Yeah. That puts a spin on it. Doesn't it? Wow. Okay. Heaven's gate was like 38 people. This is like major. Whoa. It's in the documentary, but essentially like 
even though they were in South America, they were still American citizens. So the federal uh, government got involved. There was a governor, I believe, that went down there to check it out, along with a couple of reporters. And essentially, Jones murdered them. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So they came oh and gosh. they like were checking out the facilities and whatever. And then when they went to leave, um, they were murdered. And so it oh. was after that that he was like, okay, now kill yourselves. Here's some great Kool Aid. <laughs> Whoa. If you watch the documentary, it is very graphic. Like if harm to children triggers you, I mean, it triggers most people, but like they actually yeah. show they re a reenactment of what it looked like when they got there. I had to turn off the documentary at some points and then go back and pick it back up because it became a lot for me to watch all at once. I'm watching it right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, that is, yeah, it's a lot. And you know what? That's another uh, biggie, big warning sign, folks. If the children are involved and they're being hurt or neglected in some way. Mm. Cult. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing uh, about the People's Temple was there were people who went to Jonestown with their kids who were also divorced. And so the children's other parent was like, uh, excuse me, I want to see my kid. And Jim mm -hmm. Jones was like, no. So that's where the kidnapping comes in. Oh my God. That's awful. So, wow. Yeah. Also, I just want to interject here too. If you don't really want to watch documentaries on these cults because it's too real, but you would like to educate yourself on what cults are like, there is a series and I believe it was on Hulu, but it was, it, I think it only had two seasons, but it was called The Path. And it is a show about a cult. And a guy that's like trying to basically get out because he's looking at it like, what in the hell? Um, and it's, huh? Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, and it stars Aaron Paul. He was in, most people know him from Breaking Bad. He was, mm -hmm. um, what was his name in that show? Is he the young guy? Jesse Pinkman. Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to add to that. There's a movie. I think Jennifer Lawrence is in it. Ooh, I want to say it's Jennifer Lawrence and she finds herself in a cult and has to escape. What movie is that? Oh, God. Hold on, people. Google break. We, we have to IMDB. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Or I do. And I'll be honest with you. It wasn't like the most amazing J-Law uh, movie ever, but you'll see what we're talking about when with with the cult stuff in that movie and it's not as graphic as say some of the documentaries let's see i'm googling it's just taking me a minute mother oh darn i can't remember the name of it but anyway basically there's a, a commune right and there's some dude that's a leader and he's 
manipulated all the women into, you know, having sex with him and only him kind of deal. <laughs> Interesting. Which is how like a lot of cults tend to be apparently. Oh, and two, there's, like I said, there's an entire podcast on Spotify dedicated to cults called cults and the they're talking and there, there is some graphic stuff, but at least you don't have to watch it. Are you going down the rabbit hole of cults over there on Google or what? No, I was going down the rabbit hole of J law films going. I, it might not have been her. It might've been someone else. I don't know. <laughs> All right. That's okay. Okay. So now that we've talked about some of the most infamous cults, let's talk about warning signs of a cult. How do you know if you're being invited into one or if you're already there? So before I get into like the actual mind control aspects, like details, the major sign is just control mm. a group or a leader of a group might be trying to control any one or more aspects of your life and other members' lives. Right. And that might seem clear cut, but I guess it can be kind of sticky, which we're going to get more into. Another big sign is looking at the leader of the cult. Is this leader proclaiming to be a guru an incarnated God or saint is their ego overly inflated? Are they narcissistic? You know, looking deeply at the group leader's behavior is often a telling sign that you're in a cult. Mm -hmm. Do the members think that this leader can do no wrong? I mean, there's a lot of things there. Okay. Got it. Okay. Another sign is the initiation process. Are you being asked to do something illegal in order to join this group? Are you being pressured into a sexual situation or some kind of abusive situation as a form of a, of initiation? This is obviously a big no, no <laughs> run away. Right. And I won't say which coven, but there was a coven that openly said in one of, in a documentary that I watched that their initiation process was meant to break the person down so that they could be rebuilt. Mm. Wow initiation into like the pagan path or into the craft can be a painful and transformative process. We leave this up to the universe and the gods and should not allow other human beings to facilitate a process like that, nor should there be any kind of humiliation or, you know, abuse or anything like that. And in, in initiation processes, mm right? At least not at the, never at the hands of a, of an individual. So now we get into more detail with how cults and their leaders, um, gain control over their members. And we're going to use Stephen Hassan's bite model of authoritarian control. This is how we look at a group or the leaders, like the actual methods that they use to, uh, brainwash people. Mm. So, BITE is an acronym for behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. Mm. Getting into the behavioral control. This is obviously controlling the individual's behavior. This is a cult or leaders that might regulate your physical reality. They will dictate where mm. you live and with whom you communicate. Yeah, that's people's temple. 
Pentecostalism as well. (laughs) They do with, uh, also they might try to control with whom you have sexual relations or when that rolls into (laughs) these modern reality cults. So that 19 kids and counting, they absolutely control the sexual aspect of those people's lives. Yeah. And Nixium was doing this as well with the trafficking and all. Oh my God. Regulating your hairstyle, the way that you dress, uh, Heaven's Gate, anybody, that's an example of that. Mm. Your diet, like if someone's telling you how to eat, how much to eat, um, Nixium was doing that with some of their members. Mm. They may control or try to control you know, or influence your sleeping patterns, your finances. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm. They might also require that you spend all or the majority of your time with them specifically and only them. So isolating you from your family members or, you know, your other friends. Mm. Yes. So that's the first one. All right. Information control. Information control. This is using deception like purposely withholding or distorting information, you know, from you or systematically lying to you, Mm. they might and will discourage you to get your information from anywhere other than them, the leader or the cult itself. Mm. They might encourage you or other members to spy on one another. And this is probably so that they can gain information on you or the other, you know, other members and, and, create a sense of fear, I'm sure as well. Right. Um, and, and, and more, I mean, that list goes on and on. I'm just hitting kind of the big ones, but so Scientology don't just encourage their members to spy on each other. They actually like stalk one another. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in some cases will physically bring people that try to leave the cult back to the cult. Hmm as a part of the stalking, you know, scenario. Yeah. And I will say too, on this information control point, I have also found that a lot of cults have a manifesto of sorts or some sort of guide Bible, if you will. Of oh yeah. Their, we'll get into that. Yep. Yeah. Of their values, their beliefs, yeah, they, their they, Exactly. With the information control, they'll discourage you from, you know, using online sources, watching TV, watching the news. They want you to only get your information from their pamphlets or right. magazines or whatever. Right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which rolls kind of into thought control as well, which is the T and bite. Um, it might require its members to internalize the doc- their doctrine as the truth. Doctrine. That's what I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Also to change your identity or change your name, which we said heaven's gate did that with the changing of the names mm. and the identity. Cause they all look the same, right? They wanted everybody to look the same. Um, they also might use uh, a lot of loaded language and buzzwords that are specific to the cult. Mm. Encourage only good and proper thoughts. Hello, Pentecostalism again. (laughs) And also hypnotic, they use hypnotic techniques to alter the mental states of 
um, their members. So, you know, like Manson used hallucinogenic drugs Mm. to alter the mental states of the members, but other ways to do this are ecstatic states through, you know, religious experiences as well. You know, holy rollers speaking in tongues, all of the, all that kind of stuff, right. All that can, can actually alter mental states and makes the person more, more vulnerable to mind control. Crazy, right? (laughs) Yes. Mm. Okay. Okay. Last part of the bite method is the emotional control. So Nixium was really big into the emotional control. Mm. They, like I said before, they liked to play on the person's emotions. They were trying to teach emotion stopping techniques. So they were teaching their members to rise above their emotions to basically stop their emotions completely Mm. invalidating emotions. And yeah, the documentary is really interesting. If you watch how it happens, these people are almost always sobbing, you know, during these seminars because they're being broken down emotionally. Mm. <clears throat> so two, the cult might promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness and still fear of the outside world. So, you know, if you are in this cult, they might tell you, well, you can't be around so-and-so because they're a sinner and that might make you sin. Also, there could be ritualistic and public confession of sins. Like if you did something against their doctrine, then they might make you confess that to the group. Mm. And the list goes on and on and on. If you want to read the full list of this, the bite method, um, you can go to freedomofmind.com. And I think you can just search for cult mind control or the bite model, and it should come up. Hmm. It's pretty enlightening. <laughs> Anybody that tries to control any aspect of me, that they gonna see the door. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I've always been like that too. I think that's um, part of the, like, for me being an indigo is that's a big characteristic, mm. right? Is to, you don't want to be controlled. You're, you kind of rebel, you ask questions into why people do these things. So I feel like if anybody tried this stuff with me, I'd be like questioning it immediately, you know? Yes. Or being like, get the F out of here. Like, (laughs) no, I do my own thing. Kick rocks, kick rocks. (laughs) And the thing is too, that a lot of these I mean, they prey on certain people, but there's a lot of cults that will prey on the vulnerable or who Mm. they perceive as weak. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't think that anyone is exempt from that because, you know, everybody goes through vulnerable times in their life, whether you're just like going through a divorce or you're having to file bankruptcy or you know, things like that out of an abusive relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So now that we can recognize if we're trying to be recruited into a cult, uh, and, or if we are in one, let's talk about how we start to heal when we leave. So the whole leaving process of a cult, I don't want to get into because it's it could be pretty hairy, but just know that, you know, there's resources out there that you can contact the authorities and people to help you get out. Yes. 
Um, but after that, the healing process, you can go see a therapist or counselor who actually specializes in exit counseling is what it's called. Mm. Um, and again, Alora and I are not therapists or psychologists. Nope. <laughs> so if that this is you, you want to seek one out in your area. Also there are, and I don't know if you would want to get involved in a support group, but there are support groups and workshops that basically will help you need to educate yourself on the ins and outs of cults and mind control. That way you can step outside of yourself and look at it logically. It helps right. to reset your mind. Right. And then two, there's a lot of resources out there. I mentioned the freedom of mind website. It's actually a resource center for people that want to learn, um, you know, more about cults or, or how to get out of one, how to heal from one. There's also the international cultic studies association, the spiritual abuse resources center. And there's also a cult recover, which is ran by a therapist named Roseanne Henry. She specializes mm -hmm. in the exit counseling and she also apparently does telehealth appointments. Mm -hmm. And I think a big one is just, again, patience with yourself because uh, yeah. it's going to take time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was a really um, intense topic. Yes. Really interesting though. It, it fascinates me every time that this topic comes up. For sure. It just leaves, it, it almost leaves you with more questions than answers. You know, you think you're going to research it more and more and figure it out, but then you don't. So I'm going to tell my Pentecostal story and then I want to hear your bikini. Oh yeah. Okay. Story. We'll, we'll let you do yours last. That way it, it maybe leaves it on a humorous note. Oh, it will. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is not so humorous, but anyway. We, um, when I was probably 10 or 11, I was taken to, I think it's called Brownsville. It was like a big Pentecostal church that was claiming to have a revival. What was really odd about it was, okay, so these are the Holy Roller people. If you don't know, if the listeners mm -hmm. don't know what Pentecostal is, it's speaking in tongues. It's falling out, like laying out flat, like falling mm. in the spirit. It's laughing. Like they, they say that you're drunk in the spirit and all these things. And so we're at this church and there there's a bunch of people down at the front of the church at the altar. And they're like praying to God. And they're all like, they're, the, the minister was just talking about, you know, hell of course, and how there's going to be sobbing and like gnashing of teeth and all this really scary crap. And all these people are down at the altar. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was this huge freaking sound that like erupted in the middle of the room. And it literally sounded like what hell might've sounded like. Uh, what? I don't even know how to explain <laughs> it to you. I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but it, there was like people, it was like a, a massive amount of people that were sobbing, but everyone was looking around at each other going, where is this coming from? Uh, I'd have been like, I'm out. It scared the living shit out of me. Ah, <laughs> oh, I would have been, yeah, I would have been freaking out too. I'd been like, you know what? 
don't think that this is the venue for me. (laughs) I'm out. And I, you know, I asked my dad about it later and he didn't even want to talk about it. He was like, um, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) I was like, what? Wait a minute. Right. Oh my God. So no one's been able to explain it to me, but it was almost like my theory is that they were like opening a freaking portal. Like Mm. it was wacky craziness. So that's my cult story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine is not as intense as that, but I was, (laughs) this is when I was 16, almost 17. It was summertime and I was living with my dad and going to private Catholic school, which I was so thrilled about. Uh, so anyway, there were Jehovah's witnesses going around the neighborhood and I spotted them before they got to my house. And I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do here? So I was like, you know what? I was like, I am going to go get in my bikini and answer the door because why not? Because this was not a new thing in my neighborhood. They came around quite frequently and it was annoying to me. So I put on my tiny bikini and, and these two boys knocked on our door and I answered the door. And let me tell you at 16, 17, my bikini was very small. So, um, and on, you know, I put on the smallest one I had on purpose (laughs) because for shock and all value. So I opened the door and they like their jaws were like, mouth wide open, like, like they'd never seen anyone in a bikini in their lives. Poor guys. That's hilarious. And, um, I'm like, yeah, can I help you? (laughs) And they're like, um, have you heard about, you know, Jesus or whatever they say? And I'm like, dude, we're Catholic. We're good. I'm good. (laughs) And I was like, and, um, I'm also about to go out and sunbathe. So, and they're like, um, thank you very much. Bye. And like, they were high, like, they literally ducked their heads and like scooted off on their bicycles. <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. So yeah, I like, you know, that's how much I dislike pros- proselytizing folks. Well, thank like, you for no. ending that on a lighter note. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up. Mm, I think we should before I give any more intensely terrifying stories. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, while this was a super intense topic, we hope it helps someone out there in some way. Shout out to everyone for joining us, whether you're new or returning, share Mimir's Well podcast with your witchy friends and invite them to our mystical hour of macabre topics and dark studies. If you choose, we're not a cult here and we don't proselytize. Until next time, remember, despite our sweet reputations... We really have the hearts of men on our altars that we keep in jars.